Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Law of Attraction podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Graciano. I am so excited today. I'm with such a special soul. He is somebody who I'm blessed to be friends with. He's somebody who truly inspired me. When I sat down with him, one day we were having breakfast. His life story is so incredible. It had me on the edge of my seat like a movie. I am so excited for you to hear from him today. you from the top. Larry Neymar is the co-founder of E! Entertainment. I mean, it's like one of the biggest, the biggest TV network in the world. It's now in 142 countries. It, you know, it's, it did the Howard Stern show, the Kardashians. You don't really get much bigger than that. It is now valued at over 3.5 billion. It's the creator of several, he is also the creator of several successful companies in the US and overseas. He had the number one TV show in Russia and in China, right? I mean, is that impressive? Their population is like more than ants. I swear there's like so many people in China. I'm so excited to bring him on. Welcome to the show, Larry Neymar. Great, thanks for having me. And it's now at $5 billion, not three and a half. It just keeps- Holy mouth. Going up, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. Well, you see, you want to learn around success, you guys are in the right space. So we've definitely got the right person. How did it start for you? How did your journey begin with founding E. I mean, this is, you're from New York, right? You, you, like, how did it, you were just a young guy in New York. How did this begin? Sure, I grew up in Brooklyn. Um, and what we didn't know was a lower middle-class neighborhood. We just thought we were like normal. But, you know, my parents were immigrants. My mother has got Russian background and my dad came from Turkey and, well, Cuba, Turkey to Cuba, Cuba to the U.S. and. Um, uh, you know, never could envision being in Hollywood and anything like that. But when I was the first kid ever to graduate college from the family, um, and it was whether I liked it or not, you know, <laughs> immigrant dad smacks you in the head and tells you you're going to school. And um, so I ended up uh, graduating, couldn't find a job, got a job at a cable company when nobody really knew what cable was uh, back in New York. And uh, my first job was um, splicing cables underground Manhattan. Um, so I used to work with the rats and the cockroaches and oh my god there and they paid me 90 bucks a week and um, but I kind of fell in love with what cable was and what cable could do Mm. Um, it was really early on at that point cable was 17 channels um, as opposed to what it is now you know which is over 500 Um, so but I kind of grew up in there and time incorporated which was uh, really a publishing company uh, they bought it and they decided they were going to transform from being a publishing company to a media company over a 10-year period. So they started this group called the Video Group. So I was one of the early people in the Video Group. And um, from the technical side, I was the only one, not just with a college degree, but with a high school degree. And um, so I kind of grew up in the industry and stuff. And it was great to work there because we got to start um, home box office and Cinemax and really the beginning of Urban Cable and stuff like that. And then um, then what happened was the um, uh, big cities started to realize they wanted cable. So, um, but all the franchises that were issued wanted the cable to go underground as opposed to on telephone poles. 
Well, the only person in the country who knew how to build underground was me. Um, <laughs> so I got recruited to come out to California to build the, the big franchise in Los Angeles, um, which I did. So at the ripe old age of 30, I was um, made general manager of the biggest cable company in the US. And wow. it was the first two-way interactive. And um, I had a lot of channels. I, <clears throat> I was building 61 channels at the time, and there weren't 61 channels in existence. So I would get like these character generators that would just put text up on the screen. And I had the school lunch channel, the city government channel. Um, you know, we just made up I had the lost pet channel, which I almost had to divide into dog and cat. And um, okay. yeah, but as a Brooklyn kid, you come out to LA, everybody, all your neighbors and all your friends are going to these movie premieres and stuff like that. And I'm going, well, yeah, I want to go to that. And when I called like the studios to get on a list, they went, nah, you know, you're in the utility business. You're like the telephone company. So they wouldn't let me do it. And the, finally I said, you know what? I said, the only time I ever see movie trailers are when I'm in the movies. I said, it's kind of like backwards. I mean, wouldn't you want to show me the trailers while I'm in my house to make me want to go to the movies? Mm. And they were, like, they were like, yeah, but we can't afford it. I said, tell you what we'll do. I said, you give me the trailers. I'll put them together and I'll put them on TV, but I want to go to all those parties and premieres. And they said, sure, we'll do that. And um, so I hired a kid, I think, for $3 an hour, and we edited them together. And when we started doing um, kind of market research and say, what's your favorite channel? People go, oh, I love CNN. I love MTV. I love that trailer channel. And I'm going, that's odd. I get the best two minutes of a $50 million movie for free, and people love it. But then the company that I worked for was a Canadian company, and they sold out. And they said, oh, great, you could come back to Toronto with us. And I went, no, no, no. I didn't go from New York to LA to go to Toronto. No. <laughs> so I stayed in LA, and my friend Alan, um, you know, he kept saying, he says, Larry, you know, what about, what if we do like entertainment tonight, 24 hours a day? And I'm like, wait a second, the trailers. And I said, there's not much of a difference between, and Madonna has a new video, to, and Schwarzenegger has a new movie. I said, the hand moment is pretty much the same towards the green screen. Um, so we were silly enough to think we could start a channel because um, no, no people have ever started channels. Only companies have started channels. Wow. Um, even, even today, there's never been another channel of size that's been started by just people. How interesting. Okay, so what happened then? It exploded. How, how did it go from this beautiful dream and you put together these channels and these quirky ideas which at the time probably were just like alien to most people yeah, totally well you know what happened was we wrote the business plan everybody said this is a great idea but you're not rupert murdoch you can't start a tv channel so at that time tv channels were costing somewhere between 60 and 100 million dollars to, to launch and after three and a half years we realized nobody was giving us that kind of money but then um we um we met a banking company on Wall Street that had just started investment banking. They were a bond house originally. And we went into the guy's office and he had movie posters on the wall. And Alan and I kind of looked at each other and said, this is odd. And the guy said, look, I love this idea and I'm going to give you money. And I'm like, well, can you give us more like the 100 than the 60? And he goes, oh, no, 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 I'm only allowed to sign for two and a half. And I was like, well, what are we going to do with two and a half million? It costs like minimum 60. So, I'm only allowed to sign for two and a half. So I said, you know what? We'll take the two and a half and we'll figure it out. So I ended up um, 
having a friend who was teaching radio, television, film in University of Texas in Austin. So I called him up and said, do you have a bunch of kids that need intern jobs for the summer? And he said, yeah, we got a lot. I said, send them all. Um, so he sent me 31 interns. Oh, my and God. we ended up, he started with um, 31 interns and 11 employees because we couldn't afford to have more employees. Um, my friend almost didn't talk to me ever again because half of the kids never went back to school. No way, of course, because they're, you know, they're in something which is so great. You know, and as soon as we went on the air, everybody just said to us, they go, oh, why don't you tell us that's what you want to do? We would have given you the money three years ago. Well, you know, a lot of these kids who started as interns by the end of the summer, they were vice presidents. Because we grew just crazy. We were fastest growing cable network in the country. And I think in the first year, we were in 14, new, 14 other countries. Gosh, that's it in the first year? Yeah. That's so cool. Wait, what was this amazing story that you told me about once? And it was like you went to all the parties and you climbed over the gates. What was that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. We, when we first started, um, nobody really took us seriously. Yeah. So we wanted to cover the, um, the Oscars. So we applied for the press permits and everything, and we got rejected. They said, nah, you're just some little cable something. We don't know what you are. No, you can't come. And, you know, not knowing that we're supposed to take no for an answer, the crew, with me included, we climbed over the fence and we were on the red carpet filming before, like, security caught us. Um, and then they threw us off. But what was interesting, when we put the stuff on TV, the audience went crazy. They go, that was amazing. We felt like it was pirate video. And I'm going, it was pirate video. <laughs> but we, we asked a lot of questions that people normally would, you know, people would normally be used to, so tell us about your next movie project yeah, yeah. and stuff. We were asking the crazy questions, you know. It's like, yeah, forget about your next movie. What's that? Who's, who are you wearing? You know? I love it. You were so fashion forward. You were so ahead of the times. You were just like asking what's real about that moment, you know, for them. We were asking what we thought the audience really wanted as opposed to what mm -hmm. the studios wanted to get. And it worked? And it worked amazing. You know, I mean, from that originally thing, we started this other little show called Fashion Police with Joan mm -hmm. Rivers. Of course. And, uh, you know, um, and Park Soup was our first major hit. Um, and it wasn't designed. It was like, again, we didn't have money. So we said, all right, just get Greg Kinnear to stand in front of a green screen and watch clips from TV shows and make fun of them. Wow. And when we, you know, when we first came up with that, you know, everybody said, you're out of your mind. You want to do a TV show that makes fun of TV shows. Mm. And I was like, exactly. That's what I want to do. And they were going, that's crazy and stuff. But that show took off and Greg's Kinnear went through the roof. And, you know, then... Um, you know, the next big one for us was, um, I, Alan and I were in an elevator in New York and we met this tall radio guy who's telling us all about his radio show. And we were like, yeah, 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 whatever. And he goes, no, come and see it. And we saw it and I was fascinated by it. And when I went back, I said, I want to put cameras in this guy's radio studio. And they were like, Larry, we thought you were crazy when you wanted to make fun of TV shows, but radio has been dead for 40 years. Um, well, that guy was Howard Stern and, um, that show did pretty well and how it did pretty well. Wow. I love how this stuff starts. Do you believe there's something that goes into success, a particular formula, like an ingredient? What is it for you? Because I hear the way that you've, you know, it sounds like you're just such a go-getter. You were from young. You were just like a daredevil. You just took risks. You just went for it above and beyond anything else. But what is it for you that you believe is that secret ingredient to success? Well, I mean, coming from a, you know, 
<clears throat> excuse me, a family, you know, an immigrant family and stuff, you know, you were told you will succeed. You know, there was a, it was a given you were going to do better than your parents. So I was very confident. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, growing up in a bad neighborhood, I wasn't afraid of getting beat up because <laughs> I got beat up a lot. Um, so, you know, whether you get beat up physically, you get beat up in a business deal, it's pretty much it. You get up off the ground and you keep going forward. And, you know, with, with E and some of the other stuff, we've had to do that. And, you know, we took our lumps, but we just weren't smart enough to quit. So we just kept going. Wow. So it's just like tenacity, just believing that you could. Well, it's also that. And it's also this, this feeling of, you know, not being above it all. Um, you know, there's humility to it. Um, not taking your press so seriously and um, and stuff like that. We weren't afraid to try anything. We said, okay, if it doesn't work, we fail. So we'll come up with another dopey idea and <laughs> we'll keep going. And, you know, we've had a few failures, but not met, most of them hit pretty well. You know what's interesting about failure? <clears throat> I feel like failure is the, the route to success because you've got to fall down to be able to get back up and know what doesn't work to get to where you want to go. Like when I look at how many times <clears throat> I have fallen down on my face and stood back up from nothing and continued and continued and continued because I just can't stop because I know that my mission is serving so many people, right? So failure was like my driver. It was like Failing, it just, it doesn't exist to me as something that sticks. It's just a temporary thing. It's just like you failed, so what? Move on, you know? Yeah, and, you know, for Alan and I, it was kind of that. It was like, okay, you know, we, we had our own little studio, not much bigger than this. And, um, you know, whenever somebody wanted to try something, you know, it was, very, it was a very easy decision thing. Mm. We would literally just turn the lights and the cameras on. I and love that. And we would go, and we did some pretty amazing things, you know, and, like Paula Abdul was a friend and Paula kept saying, I'm doing an album and I want to be on TV. And we're like, you know, Paula, you know. Um, and we said, you know what? Rather than listen to Paula say she wants to be on TV, turn the lights on, turn the camera. And we would have, you know, so many people got their start there wow. because, again, we had 24 hours a day to fill and we didn't have a lot of money to fill it with. So a lot of it was just live improv stuff. So incredible. I love improv. And I love with TV, the way that it's like shaping now, it's streaming, it's <clears> online. It's like, you can watch it anywhere. TV is such a big part of our culture. Because I always say to people, what you watch, what you ingest becomes who you are. Like if you are watching terrifying horror movies, mm. you know, that's gonna, they're brilliant sometimes, but they're also gonna scare you in so many ways in your life. Whereas if you're watching things that are inspiring you, like a lot of TV today is funny, inspirational, even the Kardashians is super aspirational to watch, right? When you watch particular shows, it inspires you to go on and do greater things in your life. Yeah, well, I think, you know, the streaming world, the, well, when the world turned digital, mm -hmm. it's changed everything. Cause I've always been a great believer in, you know, people should watch what they wanna watch, when they wanna watch it, on the device they wanna watch it. On demand. Um, you know, I, and I always figured out, I said, the days where NBC would tell you what you're going to watch on Thursday night at 8 o'clock are over. Yeah. I mean, it's gone. So, um, you know, it, I wouldn't start a linear TV network these days. I would start an e-like service, mm -hmm. but I would make it entirely on demand. If people are interested in foreign films, let them watch that. And if they're interested in animation, let them watch that. And um, it's actually much easier to build things that are um, relevant to audiences these days with digital mm -hmm. technology. No, that's so true. And the way that digital is going, I think it's totally just becoming the easiest way to 
do you think i mean i love cable like i love cable passionately of course you you obviously do too but do you feel like eventually it will go entirely from cable to digital yeah i think it does i think there's no question again the 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 question is very simple do you want to watch what you want to watch when you want to watch it or do you want to watch what nbc wants you to watch when they want you to watch it mm. we all know the answer yeah it's a matter of time and stuff i mean now we do i do a lot of stuff in china oh yeah i know you're huge over there you have this like i mean it's amazing the market over there you have the number one show over there so yeah well, we had the number one comedy show there which uh, was interesting because i wrote it um i love that but, in mandarin by the way you guys in mandarin it, it's um 70% of our audience in China watches us on a cell phone. Really? Yeah. And I think it's that I think they're two or three years ahead of us. Mm. So it's not going to be long before that you know watching on a cell phone, watching an iPad, you know, yeah. whatever whatever screen is near you at the time Isn't is where you're going to watch it. Cuz I feel like over here it's less on the screen, on the phone, right? It's people are watching on their laptops or on their like yeah. on their TV streaming, but like it yeah or is the percentage still high over here or not as high as china it's not it's nowhere near as high as china but it's catching up and you could see that it will catch up um and again it's a matter of you know common sense you know what do people want to do if i'm sitting and talk waiting to talk to you you know why not catch up on you know one of my favorite shows on i love that uh, but it's created some interesting production problems because when you know that 70% of people are watching on a cell phone on a 5-inch screen mm-hmm. you got to actually shoot differently than when you're shooting it for a 65-inch TV wow because with the big TV you could do a lot of like long shots when you're shooting for a cell phone you got to do a lot of close-ups oh yeah of course because otherwise you just won't see their facial expressions and you want to do they watch more reality over there or do they watch more scripted um the it's a combination of both a uh, scripted drama there is very very big and you know there's a government tv group yeah. called cctv which mm-hmm. they they apologize because they only reach 1.1 billion people not all 1.3 billion um and, but the government funds a lot of like really amazing uh series scripted series um you know long like game of thrones level stuff there that's paid for by the government and stuff like that so wow that's so cool and do they have the same excitement for their shows like in the US you know when there's a premiere out people are going wild for it you know they have those like the way that celebrities are over here whenever there's the shows are out the fans are die hard over here you know it's like yeah. a big thing it's it's very very similar and um you know uh, big stars i mean they have their influences and they have their stars and you know an influencer in china is nothing unless they've got 50 million followers really yeah um and um, so i wouldn't even qualify yet as a big influencer no, no, over no. there in china you'd be a hack oh um, my god i only have 18 million and i would be a hack that's too funny it's you're, you're not relevant at 18 <laughs> but, i'm not going over there right now uh, but yeah the, i mean the audience size is just amazing and stuff but they like a lot of stuff similar like when um the number one english language show there was gossip girl for wow. years um and it was actually the number one driver of fashion choices among women under 35 um how so, fascinating yeah so that was good so we actually bought um we bought the rights to gossip girl from Warner cool so you know gossip girl was spoiled rich girls in new york 
we redid it to be Swovers Girls in Shanghai. Oh, that is so, so literally good. just took it and oh, that is made it so good. My girlfriend's on Bling Empire. Have you seen Bling Empire? She's come on this show as well. Kelly Miley, she produced that and and did it. It was such a cool uh, show. I found it to be just something like really demonstrating how that side of the world, you know, over here, it's just really cool. I thought. Yeah, it was really I mean, we did, you know, just. There are some there's certain differences between audience and stuff. I mean, one of the first shows I did there um, was called Hello Hollywood, or in Chinese, Hello Hollywood. Um, it ran eight years, and it was basically E News Daily, yeah. uh, done very specifically for Chinese audience, which wants to know different things than what an American audience. Like here, one of the reasons I wanted to get out of the U.S. is I can't do the TMZ kind of stuff. I have too many friends to try and ruin people's lives. Um, but um, in China, it's much sweeter and gentler. Really? So like here, if you want to see Tom Cruise, you go, oh, tell us about Scientology and blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, tell us about your divorce or, um, but in China, they want to know like, if you're interviewing Tom Cruise, what do you do with your kids on the weekend? Oh, isn't that it's, beautiful? Yeah. I hope it doesn't go away. It probably will over some that time. That is so nice. Do you believe that TV in America can go in that mindful direction where it's much more caring and about them? That's why I do this show, because it's all about bringing that mindful aspect and explaining how there's more out there, like the metaphysics of the world, the stuff that we don't yeah. see. I think, you know, pre-pandemic, the answer would have been no. Mm -hmm. But I think really, if there's anything good that's come out of this pandemic, it's, it's change or reversal in what the audience is looking for. Yeah. I mean, everything... If you wanted to get on show a show on TV, you basically needed to create a scenario for a train wreck. Um, that's what people want to see, you know. Um, but it's now changed. People are looking for some pot. They want to get out of that funk. They want positive yes. stories, and so shows like yours, are, you know, are what the audience is looking for. I I just helped a, a woman who's one of the foremost experts in parenting. She runs this this thing called the Conscious Parenting Revolution. Yeah. Um, so working with her on creating a series about building a generation of better parents. Beautiful. I mean, when you look at all the stuff going on with, you know, the issues that are confronting parents these days, there it's a lot more complicated to be a parent than it used to be. Totally. I mean, I'm a, I'm a mom, you know, and it's, it's so important to raise them how we potentially weren't, yep. you know, like not that everybody was raised in, in a bad way, but I know for me, I would always want to do better for my kid because I know better. You yeah. know, you know, and it's when I grew up, it was you know still in the era of children should be seen and not heard. Um, yeah, but Catherine's whole philosophy is you know kids are human beings, you better treat them that way. That's beautiful. Um, so you know, working on that show, which will go to one of the streamers, just finished doing a show that's um, about um, financial wellness for millennial, particularly girls, because um, you don't learn anything in school. Uh, they don't teach you how to get out in real life. Oh no! So it's very practical, and so it's not like how to invest in the stock market, but yeah, you know how you lease a car and how you get credit cards. That is so needed in today's world. Yeah, we. I mean, I always say we need to learn about the those things in school. How to do this when this problem happens? How to handle that? You know, all those things. So yeah. needed. No, I, I had you know you know first when I met this woman from Canada who was telling me what she does on TV in Canada. I was like, yeah, you know. Who's going to watch that? And then my daughter, who was getting married, you know, came to me one day and said, hey, dad, what's a prenup? And I'm like, what's wrong with you? How do you not know what a prenup is? 
And I said, don't they teach you anything in school? And then I realized, no, they don't teach them anything in school. And but what was interesting is she, you know, she went to see the family lawyer and then came back and said, okay, now I understand it, but how do I explain this to AJ, her soon-to-be husband, without him thinking that I don't love him forever? Mm. Um, so I realized how much emotion goes in. It's not just learning how to do it. It's the whole emotional. Wow, that is so true. And you think of all, you know, I think over half of the divorces in this country are somehow related to finance. Yes. Um, in some way, shape or form. So, you know, really important. And this woman teaches the EQ and the IQ. Wow. Of, of finance stuff. And again, particularly for younger women. Um, so doing that, I'm doing another thing called Beauty Queen, B-T-Y-K-W-N.com. Um, and that's a um, communications content platform really geared to the fringes of the LBGQI nice. plus community. So um, I'm that their, sounds exciting. I'm their token straight guy. It's Richie Rich and Mr. D, uh, both come out of the fashion world. And, um, you know, and again, it's one of those things that I had to learn about it. But, um, you know, you start to think, you know, you have this whole thing now with gender fluidity and stuff like that. It's, it's okay to be different. Yes. Um, but then again, it's not okay to be different. You got parents, you know, who do, who do these kids talk to? Their parents, they can't talk to their parents, they can't talk to their friends, they can't talk to their teachers. So I try to create a place where they could talk to each other um, and, you know, basically community with people like mine. So that's another one. So I'm into the whole social good thing these days. I love that. There's, well, that's the most important thing, I believe, is moving that needle forwards for humanity. And that is in TV. Because think about the biggest platform in the world. It's TV. Yeah. The biggest place that we learn from is the internet, which is TV. Yeah. And, and because we're digital and the internet, there, it really has become a global community. So you know, if you think about it, you take like the size of Germany. There are more fans of Gossip Girl around the world than people who live in Germany. That's so, crazy. So yeah, so it's fandom actually bigger than geographical boundaries. Fandom um, interesting. is so interesting. Fandom is everything. I always find that we have a community in my you know, network and that is everything. We call them Starianos, you know, Graziano and stars together. Starianos, and they love being a part of our community because in my community, they actually get a chance to learn from each <clears> other, <throat> make friends and build massive fans of everything that we're doing yeah. and you know it's beautiful there's like hierarchies amongst the fans and like it's so cool i absolutely get it it's huge it's like pokemon geez it has yeah I, I hate to date myself but it goes back to um, an old um the mickey mouse club um i used to come home from school and Nothing. i couldn't wait to turn on the mickey i never knew what was going to be on that day but i knew i liked to spend time with those people that's because beautiful. I felt so comfortable with them and stuff. And it was a community. I felt I was part of the Mickey Mouse Club. I love uh, that. The Mickey and Mouse I, and I think so that's beautiful. what we're, you know, a lot of stuff I do is trying to create that comfortable community. place where people could go. That know. is so special. Well, if there were more spaces where people could go, that would help so many people in the situations and the discomforts they're feeling in life. You yeah. know, there's every day there's someone else who needs that support and doesn't know where to go. And I think there's methods and practical things. Do you do any mindful things? Like, do you walk? Do you do yoga? Do you do meditation? Is there anything that you do in your day that helps you to keep in this beautiful zen? Um, yeah, I, I don't meditate, but I cook. Oh, I love cooking. I should come to yours and cook with you. And cooking is my form of meditation. That's my replacement. I've for... heard this before from somebody. Tell me more. So, you know, I've been cooking since I'm 12, since my 
parents yeah. both worked and my choice was learn how to cook or you know eat peanut butter and jelly for dinner every night and i've always loved it and i just keep reading i, I buy a cookbook a month do you yeah and i like literally try and cook everything in the book. Oh, i don't need it all, but, um so the cooking really is it's your therapy you know, yeah it's it. my therapy i've never had to do the psychiatrist thing no yet, which makes me unusual in hollywood yeah um but yeah and i, I love i could cook any you name Oh my God, I love it. I love food so much. I really prioritize health and food yeah. and feeding my body nutritious food. But I I cook for friends versus myself. I find way more enjoyment. It's definitely not my, my form of therapy. I love watching someone do it, like sitting, you know, talking with them while they're in their zone or just like, but I like doing it for friends. Like that I yeah. seem to get a kick from because I get to see their faces when they try it and they're like, oh my God, what is this? I, yeah, I do that. I do dinner parties and stuff. But even if I'm alone, even if I don't eat it, I cook it. I, love I just it. have this thing like six o'clock at night, six to eight. Don't call me. Don't email me. It. I don't answer. Um, I just go in the kitchen. And it's part of it's the process mm. of cutting and all that. Wow. Um, like really straight kind of, focus on I one zone thing. Out. You wow. know, it could so be a terrible day. But. It's like a, a focus on that one thing. It's a little bit like when you go into the alpha state. So in our brainwaves, our next brainwave from here, we're in beta, goes through to alpha and then theta, delta, etc. And so you're in a much slower brainwave, which means when you're in the alpha state, you can focus on one thing. So you yeah. probably go into the alpha state. When we watch TV, we go into an alpha state. Isn't it incredible? When we watch TV, our conscious mind goes backwards. Our subconscious mind comes forwards. So we are almost in a trance-like state watching TV, cooking a lot of the time, driving for sure, which is terrifying. It's like autopilot almost you know you forget the road you've just driven on of course because you're in a trance like hypnotic state right. and so yeah for you i guess you're just going into that relaxed brainwave regenerative form place every night yeah no it's good and you know the the side benefit of this a single guy in la <laughs> being able to cook anything is impresses anybody who's oh my over. god i love it it's so impressive okay i'm coming over to one of your dinner parties and get, get some of the delicious food it sounds amazing I've enjoyed having you so much. This has been wonderful. Can I ask one last question? What's your superpower? What's Larry's superpower? Um, I, I guess it's just courage. Yeah. Um, not being afraid of failure. So if I do something, I, you know, people say, oh, you're so lucky, whatever. I wake up every morning with 10 new ideas. Wow. By the time I go to sleep, I realize that probably all 10 were pretty dopey. Um, <laughs> But every once in a while, I'll have a good one and stuff. I'm just, I self-assess. Mm. I'm very good at being very honest with myself. Yeah. So I could look at an idea and go, okay, it seemed like a good idea at the time, but boy, what was I thinking next? And so the, the difference between me and a lot of other entrepreneurs is I don't waste a lot of time going, I'm pursuing my passion and whatever. People stick with stuff way too long. Um, so they, they stay with stuff because they feel I had that idea. I got to stay with it till yeah. the end. But either the market's changed, the idea wasn't that good. There are things that happen where you should just get it off your plate and do something. The most valuable thing you have is your time. Yes. And you need to put your time towards things that could actually happen and stuff. And sometimes the ideas you come up with are just not that good. So. Yeah, no, no, I fully agree. Not sticking with something just because you think you have to or because you put so much into it. There comes a point when it's like, I've invested too much. What's the point? What, where is the too much mark? 
and then you just have to start again and cut your losses. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, everybody's kind of always pigeonholed me. You know, you're the guy that invents these crazy reality life shows and stuff like that. But in China, I just decided, yeah, I want to write comedy. I've never written comedy in my life, and I ended up with the number one <laughs> comedy in China, around 70 episodes, and it was nominated for the Asian TV Awards. We didn't win, but it was the only comedy nominated, uh, nominated from China. It's incredible. Which, you know, was pretty bizarre. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I think that's a really incredible achievement. You are so cool. Like, you've done so many things. You're such an inspiration to me, and I know that our audience has loved listening to us today. Guys, if you've enjoyed this, make sure that you share it with a friend. Make sure that you send this to somebody who is in TV, who wants to learn more, who's not in TV, someone who just wants to listen and who loves TV. Anybody who is interesting, like you listening, and they are want to be educated a little bit further on something exciting. Today has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Yay. We'll see you again for another episode on the Law of Attraction podcast next Thursday. Mm -hmm.